Thank you. Let's have a read of the passage that we're coming out of this month, uh, Luke chapter 10. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, or the Good Neighbour, and um, the verses are are, uh, verses 25 through to 37. So Luke chapter 10, I'm reading from the CEV, uh, which uh, may be a a bit different to um, your translation, but uh, not too much so. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25. This is uh, Jesus um, talking. An expert in the law of Moses stood up and asked Jesus a question to see what he would say. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus answered, well, what's written in the scriptures? How do you understand them? The man replied, the scriptures say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. They also say, love your neighbours as much as you love yourself. Jesus said, you've given the right answer. If you do this, you will have eternal life. But the man wanted to show that he knew what he was talking about. I think maybe in the NIV it says he wanted to justify himself. Um, So he asked Jesus, who are my neighbours? Jesus replied, as a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, robbers attacked him and grabbed everything he had. They beat him up and ran off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, but when he saw the man, he walked by on the other side. Later, a a temple helper came to the same place, but when he saw the man who had been beaten up, he also went by on the other side. A man from Samaria then came travelling along that road, and when he saw the man, he felt sorry for him and went over to him. He treated his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put him on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next morning he gave the innkeeper two silver coins and said, Please take care of the man. If you spend more than this on him, I will pay you when I return. And then Jesus asked, Which one of those three people was a real neighbour to the man who was beaten up by robbers? The teacher answered, The one who showed pity. And Jesus said, Go and do the same. We noted last week that Jesus spoke a lot about uh, how we should treat one another. Uh, We're to love one another as he has loved us. We are to love our neighbours as we love ourselves. We are to lay down our lives for one another. Uh, The central message, if you like, of the Gospel uh, is that Jesus has died for us and we are to give of ourselves in love uh, to other people. Uh, But but, but one uh, one of the impacts behind this story is trying to limit how much uh, we love and, and who we have to love. And so that's the idea of justifying myself. What, 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 what can I do to get eternal life? Uh, to, uh, to love God with everything I've got and to love my neighbour as myself. Hmm, boy, okay, I'm trying to take care of the first and I think I've got that down with all these rules and laws and regulations, but the second, okay, let me, let me just check on who my neighbour is. <laughs> who do I really have to love? And that was the sort of the impact of the story. And this is one of, uh, one of Jesus' best known stories, the Good Samaritan, or as I suggested last week, maybe we ought to call it the Good Neighbour, because when you, when you call something the Good Samaritan, it sort of removes it from reality, our, our daily lives. But then again, I don't know if you saw the article in The Age yesterday morning, I headed up about a Good Samaritan. And it was a story about a, um, a guy in England who had uh, intervened in some bullying behaviour that was going on, some racist bullying behaviour that was going on on a bus. We've had similar stories here uh, in, in, uh, in the last 12 months, 18 months. 
And, uh, but, but as he intervened, the, the guys who were doing the bullying turned on him and stabbed him a couple of times and it was quite serious and, and he ended up in hospital. Um, and, uh, and the story was talking about, it was actually talking about how he now has um, given a lot of his time to uh, trying to divert young people away from violent uh, lifestyles into other lifestyles and some really good stuff has come of it and that was basically the gist of the article. It was in yesterday's age. Um, but uh, uh, the, the, the fact was, one, one of the things that came out in the story was that being a good Samaritan, and it used the term good Samaritan, and so it's very common language, isn't it, in, in, uh, in our um, culture uh, to talk about a good Samaritan. And sometimes it's used in a derisive sort of way. Oh, you know, you're just trying to be a good Samaritan sort of idea. But in other ways, like this article was talking about, the, the idea of being a good Samaritan was being lauded. It was a, it was a good thing. But it was saying that it's sometimes costly. It's sometimes a costly event. It uh, could have cost this guy his life. And, and we, we know ourselves on the streets of Melbourne, I suppose, what was it, ten years ago now, eight, eight to ten years ago, where there were uh, there's some altercation and, and uh, a couple of guys intervened and one of them was, was murdered and the other one very seriously um, uh, injured. And so it can be a costly, uh, costly thing to be a good neighbour, <laughs> to be a, a good Samaritan. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. And we, we learn in this story that, that neighbours are anybody uh, that we have opportunity to love. That's the idea. So it's an inclusive thing. It's not exclusive. It's an inclusive thing. Who is my neighbour? Well, Jesus tells this story where the bad guy in the story, the good Samaritan, turns out to be the good guy, turns out to be the good neighbour, and he is the one who acts lovingly, and he is the one who is truly uh, treating others as uh, he would want others to treat him. And that's the idea of the story. So we, we gave a bit of an overview last week of, uh, of that story and what that means. I want to zero in today on the neighbourly expression of love. Um, how, how can we make this story real in our lives, in our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, um, in our families? Uh, what we've just heard about mums in many ways is, is a great description of what a good neighbour is. Mums are really good at being good neighbours uh, to their kids and, and, and to uh, people that they come across. And so the idea of the neighbourly expression of love is just what I want to have a look at today. One of the things in this story that we see is that the good neighbour, the good Samaritan, is into meeting uh, the other guy's needs. Here he is beaten up on the side of the road and he has some needs, he has some physical needs. And so the meeting of needs is a part of the expression of neighbourly love. And this man's needs were, were obvious. Uh, the Samaritan had both the opportunity and the resources to help meet these needs. I think that's really important because need is all around us. It, it can be so overwhelming sometimes, can't it? Um, the, the need that's there. Um, I, I, I work in the city and I, I catch a train to Parliament Station every morning and catch a train home from there and on my walk from Parliament Station down Collins Street and then back again later on in the afternoon I pass a number of people who are begging on, on the side of the road. Um, on the side of the street as, as commuters are coming uh, to and from the station. Um, a couple of people selling the big issue and, and so forth. And, and it can be overwhelming. What can you do uh, for, for uh, people who are in desperate need uh, of, of um, you know, some money to, uh, to, to just um, exist? Uh, the need can be overwhelming uh, in our own neighbourhoods, in, in our own families sometimes it can be overwhelming. 
and, uh, and, and what do we do about the great need that's around us? Uh, well, one of the things we can't do in the light of the Good Samaritan is turn our back on it and not care and say, oh, you know, and try to maybe justify ourselves by not caring, by, by not uh, 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 doing whatever we possibly can. But in the light of that, it's important to notice that the Samaritan had the opportunity to help and also the resources to help. And he used both of those. And, and, you know, it's not an excuse for us to say, oh, there's so much need and it's so overwhelming that we can't get involved. What we need to do is zero it down and, and say, well, I have opportunity and resources to help in this particular situation and to be a good neighbours in that situation. Just a very simple example. One of the people that I passed by, uh, well, I should tell you that, that as I was passing, I was praying for, for all the, the, the people there and, and, you know, asking God, help me to know what I can do and, and how I can become involved and, and the idea of, of just getting to know one of the people. And so there's a lady by the name of Elizabeth. I stopped and, and, uh, and, and introduced myself to her and asked her her name and got to know her a little bit. And then over the weeks and, and, and the last few months, um, been getting to know her a bit and, and to, to, to sort of reach out to her in some ways um, just one of those people but that's I have opportunity and resources to be able uh, to walk uh, with a few people and, uh, and that's the same with all of us isn't it that we, we need to be looking for those uh, that we can walk with as we have opportunity and resources but I, I reckon that in the story what he did came at quite a cost to himself it was his time it was his convenience and it was his money that was being used. You know, reaching out and, and helping people can be quite inconvenient at times, can't it? And I'm sure it was uh, for, the, for the Samaritan. The people who passed him why, by were, were, were probably very busy with something else. Uh, that's that's the, the usual construct that we put onto this. And, uh, and, and, and yet here's uh, this, this man who uh, is inconvenienced perhaps but he spends time and he spends his own money um, with, uh, with the, uh, the needy person. And so it costs to become involved. It costs uh, to be a good neighbour. So we learn that meeting needs in practical ways is a valid expression of neighbourly love. The needs here are caring for wounds, uh, emergency transport, and, uh, and rehabilitative care. That's how he's involved in reaching out uh, to the man who'd been beaten up. Caring for wounds, emergency transport and rehabilitative care. Uh, the needs that we identify in people may be physical like that. There may be some physical needs that are there. Uh, oftentimes it's emotional support. David's just been sharing about those who... Uh, a suicidal, suicidal ideation or suicidal behaviour or successful suicide. Oftentimes uh, uh, people who have come to the, the end of their tether as far as life is concerned uh, need somebody to walk with them emotionally and they need to, to have that emotional support. Sometimes it will be housing needs, sometimes it will be friendship needs, sometimes it will be the need of encouragement uh, or protection, standing up for somebody else, advocacy, and there are thousands of other ways that we can become involved as good neighbours in meeting needs. And so the, the application of this part of it that we need to be asking ourselves, uh, what are the needs that I identify in people in my world that could do with a dose of neighbourly love and how am I going to walk alongside 
those people. And remember that a neighbour is anybody that you have the opportunity to love in this sort of way. There are, there, there are no boundaries, there, there are no barriers, uh, there are no exclusion zones. <laughs> uh, these are people as you have the opportunity uh, to reach out to in love. So that's the first area of the expression of need that we see here in the story of the good neighbour that Jesus told. There are physical needs, there are other sorts of needs, the meeting of needs in other people. I think another thing that comes up through this story, a second thing, is the whole realm of hospitality. Hospitality. Uh, 1 Peter 4.9 tells us that uh, we should offer hospitality uh, to one another without grumbling. Hebrews 13.2 says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing some people have shown hospitality uh, to angels without knowing it. That's pretty heavy and I don't really understand that to tell you the truth, but that's what it says. And of course Matthew 25.40 and the verses around that talk about uh, Jesus says, as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so not only might we find ourselves uh, ministering and showing hospitality to angels in the showing of hospitality to strangers, uh, aliens, asylum seekers and other sort of people, uh, but we also find that we are actually... Um, addressing uh, Jesus in the reaching out uh, to these people. As you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And for, uh, Romans 12.13 says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So this is a theme, not only in the story of the Good Samaritan, but it's a theme that runs across the scriptures, and certainly in Jesus' teaching, that hospitality Uh, is a really good thing for us to be involved with. And so we learn that needs of neighbours are often met by hospitality, the giving of ourselves to others. Now, as I mentioned last week, I am now working at Urban Seed, which is a a city mission in in Melbourne and Geelong and Bendigo. Um, And one of the things that we we talk about is hospitality, that uh, that we are called as good neighbours to be hospitable and especially to the marginalised um, in those cities, the marginalised in the streets. And so that gets us involved with a lot of people who are experiencing some form of homelessness or uh, um, mental health issues or substance abuse and a combination of those things. Um, Urban Seed has been existing now for 25, 25 years next year. And um, uh, over those years there have been a group of people who have experienced homelessness and have moved on and they're still street people and they're very much a part of uh, what we call the Credo community. Credo is the, the cafe that, uh, that, um, that offers lunch uh, to, uh, to street people um, during the week. And, uh, and, and these people who have walked with us for a long time are considered to be a part of the Credo community. So that's who I'm referring to in this story when I talk about Credo community. Uh, Fridays uh, at, at Urban Seed is a women's day in, in Cafe Credo and so the guys go and do something else. And uh, during the, uh, the warmer uh, weeks, 
Uh, we, um, we went down to the Yarra on Fridays and, uh, and had a barbecue and the guys would come down and, and uh, cook the meat and, and uh, uh, distribute the meat. And they're very much a part of the whole process. It's not that welfare handing out of here's a sausage for you sort of thing, but it's let's all get together, let's cook it, let's, you know, it's a part of the community. Um, while I was standing and chatting to one of the guys who was uh, uh, cooking the sausages, uh, this lady uh, who had been walking along, uh, an, an, an older lady and, and walking with a young girl who I presume was uh, her, her grandchild, came over to us and pointed at the, uh, at, at the meat, at a chop actually, and asked if, if she could have one. Now, now this person didn't look like she was um, uh, experiencing homelessness or, or any other of the sort of the social problems that we are especially working with. She, she looked like she was on top of things, but she asked for some meat. And I, I, I found myself thinking, what, what's going on here? You know, wh- why is she doing this? You know, what, what's going on? Um, but the person who was cooking the meat, uh, without a second thought, said, yep, here you go, no worries, get a plate from over there and there's some salad over there and uh, welcome and join us. And, and I thought, oh, fair enough, okay. Uh, a little bit later on, we were sitting around the table and this, this lady and her granddaughter had moved on we were sitting around a table just chatting and a, a little girl who was a part of the street community, who was the daughters of one of the guys who had come out of homelessness, uh, she came over and she said, why, why, did, why did that lady come up and ask for food and why did we give it to her? And the guy who was sitting next to me at the table as we were eating our sausages, another fellow in the Credo community, instantly said, oh, because we're into hospitality and that's what we do. I sat there thinking, fair dinkum, there's somebody that's really godlike around this table and it's not me. (laughs) He'd caught it. He'd caught it. They understood what it was all about. Because that's what we do, you know. It's hospitality, that's what we do. There's no sense of, gee, you know, how dare she come and ask for one of our sausages. We're into hospitality, that's what we do. I learned a lot on that particular day. And, and I, I think that that's the idea that, um, that that hospitality is something that we do. We just do it, you know. Henry Nouwen uh, said this of hospitality. Hospitality, therefore, means primarily the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people but to offer them space where change can take place. I reckon that's a great saying. I'll I'll read that again. Hospitality, therefore, means primarily the creation of a free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. So the application of that is pretty obvious, I guess. The question is, in what ways can I show hospitality to the stranger amongst us? Sometimes strangers can be right within our own family, I guess. But strangers can certainly be people in our neighbourhood. And I guess linking the the, the two things that we've said so far, the the meeting of needs and hospitality together, uh, there's been a lot of talk in in recent years, probably the last three years, of uh, middle-class poverty. Uh, that, that people are maybe uh, lose jobs or, or, or um, in some way lose you know, full-time work and maybe are working less 
they're underemployed and not making the money they need. And they have to make choices. They have to make vital choices. And last, last week with, with the stuff that was coming out of the Commission of Audit um, on, uh, on, on what are they calling it, co-payment of, uh, of doctor's fees and being $15. And some of the, the talk back around that last week was, um, was, was pretty uh, enlightening actually. You know, pe- people talking about their neighbours, for instance. One lady rang up and talked about her neighbour who had to make a choice between eating and buying her medication. And if she and, and if she had to had to pay fifteen dollars at the doctor, she would then have to make a choice uh, between uh, uh, going to the doctor and having a, a good hot meal on that day. And in fact, just on the news this morning, as I was travelling over, apparently there's been a couple of surveys that have been been done just uh, uh, in the last couple of days, asking people uh, what percentage of people would uh, would. Uh, think twice or three times about going to the doctor if they had to pay six dollars, they have to pay fifteen dollars. And two thirds of the people answered that if it was fifteen dollars, uh, they they wouldn't they wouldn't go. Uh, they they would have to reconsider. Those who are experiencing some form of poverty, uh, th- this is real life decisions for them on an everyday basis. Uh, one of the things that, that we do at Urban Seed with Cafe Credo is a good hot meal in the middle of the day uh, for, for anybody that wants it. It's free of charge, anybody that wants it. And the people that come there don't have to make the choice between that really good meal and buying their medication or whatever it might be because they, they get that meal. But there are a lot of people who don't take up that sort of opportunity and some of them just may be living next door to you uh, in, uh, in a, a fairly uh, well-to-do or at least middle-class uh, neighbourhood uh, such as where you and I are from. Uh, because people who are experiencing poverty, who, who are doing it tough, who are having a hard time, don't hang notes out on the front gate saying uh, we're, we're going through hard times at the moment. And oftentimes people from backgrounds like what we're from, from, from more middle-class backgrounds, struggle with this, struggle with the identity stuff around this and they don't let anybody know and they keep up a facade. And so I think one of the challenges, uh, the needs were obvious to the Good Samaritan, but sometimes they're not so obvious to us uh, living in, in, uh, in the suburbs. Uh, the, the needs might be obvious to me as I'm walking from Parliament Station you know, and, and passing by, uh, beggars who are, who are doing it tough but in my own neighbourhood well they're not so obvious and we, we need to really I, I think that it starts with prayer doesn't it it starts with asking God just to help us to be discerning and to keep our eyes open uh, to the needs that are around us and so in what ways can I show hospitality to the stranger amongst us to the person who's doing it tough do I think this is a good way of expressing love and being a good neighbour to whomsoever and that word, whomsoever, leads me on to the third and the last point, and that is the whole area of belonging. So how can we express neighbourliness? Well, there are needs that, that, that are to be met and they can be met oftentimes through hospitality. Those are the two things we've looked at so far. But the thing that comes through in, in this uh, story, in the story of the Good Samaritan, and I, and I raised it last week, is this whole area of belonging or inclusiveness. One of the greatest needs that we have in life is to feel like we belong. To feel like we belong. Uh, we belong to a family or to a church or to a workplace or to a community or to a club. We want to belong. We want to feel like we have a group of people 
who know our names, know what we do and who enjoy our company. Uh, it's one of the great things that the church can be as a community of faith. Oftentimes it's not, but it's one of the great things that it can be to a community of faith. The sense of belonging. Again, David, in, in sharing about um, suicidal ideation and so forth, and, and, and I, I think, David, you said that one of the things that, that people desperately need is comradeship. Didn't that come up? Um, and, and, and true friendship, true relationship the sense of belonging, the sense of community. Uh, it's, it's, again, you know, the same thing as hospitality. It's what we do. Well, uh, community and, and belonging is what we do <laughs> as a community of faith. And we need to learn to do it a whole lot better. Um, belonging expresses acceptance, expresses inclusion, expresses okayness and a sense of self-esteem. And we find the importance of belonging applied to us as God's people right across the scriptures. It's one of the great themes of the Bible. There's this idea that we are the people of God. We belong to God. We belong to Christ. We belong to one another. It's a great theme as far as our salvation is concerned. But that theme needs to be extended, if you like, in, in Old Testament terminology, to the nations. <laughs> Because the, 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 the Jews were called as a light to the nations that they too could belong. And at the best of times, uh, the Jewish uh, nation was, was a, a very good light uh, to those around them. This is the foundation stone on our salvation, that salvation and that the belonging is available to anybody. It's whomsoever, if you like. Uh, all people need to feel that they belong and need to be included in our circles of acceptance. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him. And there are are, are two themes here which are inclusive. God so loved the world, in other words everybody, and whosoever believes in him. It's an open invitation. It's an invitation of inclusiveness to everybody. Uh, it was shared this morning around communion that, that Jesus said, I am the way. There's an exclusive claim there, but it's not an exclusive invitation. It's an exclusive claim that Jesus is the way, but then that exclusive claim is offered to everybody and anybody incl- inclusively to say, this is for you, <laughs> for all of you. doesn't matter who you are. Too often, I think, as Christians, we spend our time in exclusion and trying to work out who's in and who's not. (laughs) We need to uh, get back to the the, the basic scriptural truth that this invitation is to all, a sense of belonging. So how can I create a sense of belonging for the neighbour in my world? Who is it that feels excluded? Who is it that feels marginalised? How can I bring that person into a circle of belonging is the question that comes out of this characteristic of neighbourliness. How can I help people to have a sense of belonging that yes, they're important? Because oftentimes out of that sense of belonging and acceptance people discover Jesus in the midst of all of that. 
they're sure not going to discover Jesus in exclusiveness. <laughs> They'll discover Jesus in an inclusive attitude of welcoming people, welcoming the stranger and offering them hospitality and meeting needs so that in the journey, in this community of faith, people may discover uh, the author of life. I think that's the essence of being good neighbours. And so being a good neighbour involves meeting needs, it involves hospitality, it involves creating a sense of belonging and a space in which to belong. And this will involve a sacrifice and giving of ourselves. But in so doing, we'll find ourselves being good neighbours to Christ himself and we'll hear his words of well done, good and faithful neighbour, enter in. Or in our terminology, he'll say, in the, heaven of lang- in the language of heaven, good on you, mate. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of love. Uh, we do pray that you would help us to be loving and to, to know how we can be loving and, uh, and give us opportunity and resources and, and to know how to reach out. Uh, Father, where there are needs around us and uh, we're not seeing them at the moment, please help us to, um, to see them and to know how we can best uh, be good neighbours, uh, that uh, indeed people will experience your love and your acceptance and your invitation. We would pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.